This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond, and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the church boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Well, welcome, 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 welcome to the church boys. We're here. We're, we're us. We're not going, <laughs> we're not going skiing. <laughs> oh, wow. Here we are. <laughs> so, so, Chris, your dream has come true. It has your come, dream has come true. You, what you've been, did you get the diagnosis I was hoping for? <laughs> no. You're, Wait, you're, one day that, that you're awful. You're an awful person for saying that. Um, Not for saying that. I feel that. like we haven't done an episode in forever, but it's only been a couple days. I know. It's but so it's this has been the longest four day week maybe ever. Would you right? agree with that? This has been a crazy four days, and I don't even know why. I mean, I don't know. It's been it's just like how can this week not be over yet? It's only a four day week, and we're still and, and this has been the longest day ever. This is a fr- we're recording on Friday. I feel like we have been working for fourteen. It's been nuts. So normally, so this is the time of the show when we, you know, talk about our lives and try to be a little bit funny. We don't usually jump right into stories, but sometimes we do. But we have to, we have to address something now here at the top of the, at the top of the show, because you're going to hear it on social media in the coming days. And so we just want to put this out there so that nobody's freaking out. Nobody's getting worried, but there is a major announcement happening, uh, here uh, on our show with one of the people on our show and it's not me so it's the other one person on the show uh billy has decided to um he has decided that he's going to have <laughs> finally have the operation and oh, will now be idiot. known as sharice mcclare <laughs> oh poor carly <laughs> and and rivet well not poor rivet i mean <laughs> rivet was a victim of sharice as well uh, but now it's going to become official. He will officially be known as uh, Sharice McClaire. Though you've decided to keep the gender, the male gender pronoun. Is that right? Well, no, I'm going to go with they, oh, they. which apparently is, is what's in right now. Um, <laughs> Actually, we do have an announcement. And Billy, why don't you go ahead and uh, and share with the people what the announcement is? Chris has decided. <laughs> Chris has decided. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, no, the the announcement, and it's a serious announcement. But we're laughing about it because it's ha- it's 
it's sad and it's happy and it's okay fine it's just sad for chris because he i can't harass actually it's probably happy for you i can't harass you every second of the day anymore um, i am going still, to be still i am all the time well yeah i'm chatting I'm, that's gonna happen nothing's actually gonna change it just won't be happening on slack um i am going to be leaving the blaze as of june 17th yes but the, the show will still continue to go on Right, the, the Church Boys isn't going. They're the not, church, we're not going anywhere. The Church Boys isn't going anywhere. And in we're fact, still here. we're looking to expand. Our hope, absolutely, is that the Church Boys will be in more places um, in the coming weeks and months. That's right. the goal. So there are. This we, does not impact the show at all because because you people have listened so hard and have loved so hard. We are actually talking with people about expanding what it is we do. Now we can't give any details about that. Or I don't mean to be cryptic. I mean, I do mean to be, but I mean to be cryptic, not because I want to be cryptic. No, but you want to be cryptic. You like being the, cryptic. The situation necessitates that we be a little bit cryptic. Anyway, our goal is to expand this show, not just in, uh, we, want to, we would like to expand it in numbers of shows, minutes you know, spent recording, uh, and that sort of thing. But we're also looking to expand the show as far as reach goes. We're, we're, we've got people interested in talking to us about hopefully carrying us in other places. Now, I don't say that to, you know, I don't, and I, you know, I got to knock on wood. I, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm just saying, and, and Billy can back me up on this. We have people who are very interested in the show and like the show and like what they're hearing. And that all is is true because one, we are so scary talented, but even more importantly, <laughs> we have people like you who listen faithfully. You have listened hard, you have responded, uh, you have given us great traction and attention, and we have, uh, we, have, we have done probably better than, well, certainly better than our parents or wives would have expected. Uh, it, it's been a really fun year. I mean, it's just actually a year and a half almost now that we've been doing this. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. We put out a lot of episodes. You've had some great people on the show. And I'm excited and that nothing's changed. I mean, right. th it is, look, being at the not being at the Blaze is going to be a huge transition. It's going right. to be difficult. Speaking of transitions, but um, <laughs> it, it's going it's going to be tough. It's never an easy decision to leave somewhere, especially after a long time, you right. know. Someplace you've loved years, so much, yeah. right. Yeah, and I think, yeah, so... But the the bright side is that we're continuing the show, and right. I'm I'm just excited for. We've just had so many great. Think through a list of people who have come on the show who have actually subjected themselves to this. Right. Okay. Oh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> poor, poor Matthew. West. Um, I would actually say Matthew West, who by the way has not come back since you've insulted his Grammy non-nomination um <laughs> has probably been our biggest victim. But so many others have been have just. I mean, Morgan yeah. Freeman. We've had crazy people yeah. in so, a good way. Crazy and, oh, on the yeah, show. And it's been good. Well, and sometimes bad. And sometimes bad ways crazy. Like Ann well, like Lots. Oh my gosh. Somebody <laughs> She's asked, not crazy, by the way. She's not heard... she's not crazy. She's not crazy. I'm just no. that was a that was an inside joke because of something else that go ahead and tell people what happened. I'm gonna tell it because I think it's crazy. Are. Somebody stopped listening to us and unfollowed us because they felt that we were insulting Ann Graham Lots for saying that maybe God kept um, you know, her father alive. I mean, it had something to do with his, with Jesus's return, his right. second coming. We were not putting her down. We were saying that's a curious, interesting thing to say. I don't know. I don't know that I would be that definitive, um, but she chose to be. I think she's very interesting. I like her. We've had her on the show. Um, so for somebody to be that offended by that, they would stop listening is just kind of, it's like, do we need a safe space now in the church boys? I, I don't know. <laughs> There's, 
there is no safe space when it comes to the church. But we say that, and then, listen, the guy who who who's, who uh, engaged with us was very kind. He never very was, nice, he was never nice. nasty. And I don't want to use his name because I don't want to put that out there. That's not who we are. But we just had a disagreement, and he was kind about his his point of view, and we tried to be funny and kind in our response. Um, uh, and I don't think there's any bad blood there. I think that he's open to communications later, and he's actually open to listening to the show again. <laughs> Maybe not after this, but <laughs> uh. no. I'm, look, I'm nothing against him. I, I'm more upset no. with the idea that people would be that offended by something that didn't, that wasn't even right. whatever. Right. I, I, I honestly, I, if I got upset with every person who tweeted or said something, we would be here all day talking about this thing. Did you but, listen to? There was that comedian, that Steve Hughes, that's been floating around the internet recently, and it's from an older comedy show that he did. He's a, he's a, he's actually Australian, but he's British. And uh, he's given a he's doing something like the Apollo in in London or something about about people who are offended. He says people have, have no people have no time for people who are easily offended. Uh, and just he says what what nothing happens when you get if you get offended nothing happens to you. And his example is he says I you know I was at a I was at a comic club the other night and the com the the comedian made a joke about the Lord and I was offended and then I woke up and I had leprosy. He says that doesn't happen. That's not what happens when you get offended. Nothing happens. Just grow up. Just grow up. <laughs> right. He says we teach we teach and I I teach our I teach my kids. My parents taught me this. I teach my kids this. And he said we teach our kids. Just but who cares if somebody offends you? Somebody hurts your feelings. He he, you know he called me a he called me and he called me a name. He called me an idiot. Don't worry about it. He's a jerk, right? It's just don't worry about it anyway. But being easily here's what here's what I have found, and I I believe it's the old Christian comedian Mike Warnke who said it. I think it was him, but it might have been somebody else. He says people who are easily offended are people who like to be offended, and I I agree with that. Like that's their that's their mission in life. For I will say easily, this. People I, who are easily offended. I, and I will say this. I do think we, and I think you would agree, that we, we should be watching our words and how we talk to people, not be not out of fear of political correctness or anything right. like that, but just because we should want to be good people, good right. Christians, yeah. good whatever, you know. But you, know, you watch your words, but then you also watch how offended you get. And I, right. look, right. I try not right. to get offended by things. Some things, we all have triggers, right? There's things that we are probably more easily offended by than other things. So oh, yeah. you try not to be. I don't, yeah. Anne Graham Watts has never been on that list for me, but yeah. I'm sure... For some people, they re look. They yeah. really like Anne, and they, yeah. if they yeah. feel like somebody's attacking her, they're going to feel right. that way. Other people, like when people make, unless we're really good friends, like Chris and I can make fat jokes about each right. other, and, exactly. and it's hilarious. Right. But if I don't know you and you come up to me and you're like, "Hey, fatty," it's weird. Like it, right. it's like a little bit of a trigger for me. Right. I don't love it. I, right. I, yeah, I'm, I am fat, but I don't. I don't love you pointing that out no, when I just. No, I don't you mind it. No, if I wouldn't mind it if we had if we had a like some sort of meet and greet with you know church boys fans and they called us fatty. I, that would Agreed. bother me, right? Because that's that environment. Even though I don't know you, I don't care because that's our that's part of our. Yeah, I'm a fat Agreed. guy. You're a fat guy, or whether, whether or not we're actually fat, which we need to get to that, by the way, with you because of something you're doing, uh, the liposuction thing you're going to do. But we'll get to that later. But anyway, <laughs> we on this show, which getting back to this show and talking about this show, this show isn't changing. This show isn't going away. The only thing that's changing, as far as we know, the only thing that is changing is you're changing a job title, and yes. that's not happening for a couple more weeks. Yes, not so, until the tw I start my new job on the twentieth right. of June, and we don't and we don't play off our job titles on this show anyway. So the show will continue to exist. Now, a lot of you know us from our online presence at the Blaze, which is great. Most of you know us from there, 
but we're hoping what we're hoping is that you identify us as the church boys. Oh yeah, and they also happen to work at the Blaze, or they also happen to work at the Bunny Ranch, or wherever it is we happen <laughs> to work. <laughs> so the show's not changing nothing. To, now that I would I would also add to that. So about this show, listen, we push the envelope a lot of times. That's what we do. I mean, for a quote Christian show, right? Because we Which are believers. Which really exerts us being fat guys, you know, pushing <laughs> the envelope. Right. Pushing the envelope on what my chair can handle while I'm sitting here. But anyway, so yeah, are we going to offend some people? Yeah, we are. Do I care? Only if, only if I was doing something that's actually something that would embarrass God, right? You know, you know what I mean. There, there. I'm gonna. I, if somebody's a, a, an idiot, I'm going to call them an idiot in in good nature, not simply, I I hate you and you're an idiot. I mean, it's not that. That's not wh- how we live. And so we we do push the envelope. Absolutely. You, if we're not everybody's cup of tea, we're not our own wives' cup of tea. The fact that we're, we're not even our own cup of tea, right? <laughs> Do I listen to this show on the weekends? No, no, I don't. I do. I'm not going to oh, lie. Sometimes true. I'm on the treadmill and I listen to it and I'm like, who are these brilliant people? He's, and then I realize. You're standing on the treadmill folding the laundry that it's piled up on the treadmill. Um, so I just want to say I announced that I was leaving and I'm looking at Facebook right now about oh, no. 13 minutes ago. In the first comment, we will miss you. Will you still do the church, boy? Nice. <laughs> Is it somebody I know? I haven't even looked. I love it. Um. Oh gosh. Well, yeah, look, and and like this is the play. This has been my longest job, ironically, actually, now that I think about it, because I bounced around a lot. You know, when you're when you're starting out, you bounce around a lot. And um well no, that's not true. I had a job that was much longer, but I was younger. But in terms of media, this has been my longest my longest job. And you know, which isn't even that long, five and a half years, but it feels like a long time. You get to know a lot of people. It's like a family atmosphere. We've always had a very family atmosphere at the place. So you know, it's um you're leaving that is hard and everyone knows look and and hey we've never asked for prayer before i'm gonna pray for me please because there's a lot of, you know uncertainty and new right. things like right. you know i i think it's yep. now again it'll be nice to continue this and i still have to look at chris's ugly face once a week so pray for me on that at, front at too. least once a week now again we're looking to expand this thing it may be well be more than once a week i mean that's that's the goal if we hit our goal you'll be looking at me way more frequently God help us. And we'll be talking every day. We always talk. I mean, that's what we do. Right. We're good friends, so we're going to talk all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, I, look, we, I think that, honestly, the, the perfect transition from this conversation is, our, is the raisin conversation, don't you think? Yeah, just a minute. Not sure why, but I'm sure it's the perfect, <laughs> perfect, the perfect transition. I don't, there is no reason, but I just, I, I'm trying to think of things that will uplift people the most out of what we want to talk about today. And I have to say, also, though, sp- before we get there, Spoiler alert, we are going to have a great interview today. And it involves, actually, it's not even a spoiler, it's just a tease. It involves the writers, the screenwriters of The Conjuring 2. I thought, no, I thought we had two interviews. Did we just have the one? Well, we, well, here's the thing we have one interview with two people. Oh, 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 yeah, okay. I was thinking it's we had Chad two. and Carrie Hayes, the right. Hayes brothers who wrote that script. Right. Um, so, yes, we have one interview today. And <laughs> should we let the, should we let the listeners in? Have we already told them about, these other two interviews that have been sitting for a decade. We won't say who they are, they but been sitting for a decade. But have we let them in on how awful I am? Well, we've we've talked about one of them that has been there. I thought I have reposted for you five times. I just can't bring myself. I don't know why. It's like, like sure. I see it and I'm like, I really like that person. And I'm going to get to that interview. And, uh, and if we're being honest, the interview happened in February. 
<laughs> it's now June. Hopefully this is kind of some evergreen content then. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the other one is not it's there's one of them that's just been saying the other one's been sitting not quite as long, but it, it's really cool and I'm really excited. It's a really fun, but it's just it's it's gonna take me some time to write up. So I'm gonna write it up. Don't worry. Don't worry. Sure you I'm are. Write it up. I can write it up before you leave. But let's all right. Let, let, am I gonna write it before I leave? Yes, <laughs> okay, that's a promise. Good. <laughs> that is a promise. And you got another one that actually looks really good. And when you told me about it, I thought it was going to be a part of your book. Stuff. Yeah, I wish I had talked to the guy beforehand. Could be really um, good. And just, I'll give you a little tease for that one. It's it's the guy who one of the guys who heads up the Temple Institute in Israel. Oh yeah. Which I had not known. I did not know the extent to which and he's Jewish, yeah. a Jewish rabbi the extent to which the Temple Institute was really working to bring back the temple, mm -hmm. right? right? And what they're doing to prepare for it. it it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they're, by, they're back gonna, to the they're gonna like They're going to like the interview that's coming up today. So it'll be good. It'll be good. The interview today is great. The, con the Conjuring screenwriters are amazing. We had we did interviews with them back in, tw not on this show, because the show wasn't around right. yet, but 2013 when the first Conjuring came did, out. Did you see I the mean, first Conjuring? I mean, we went conjuring? in depth. Did you see the first Conjuring? I own the first Conjuring. I loved it. Did, uh, so tell tell me about tell, I guess you know what we can get into this discussion when we get to the interview. That's fine. No, let's just do it now. Okay, Forget we, the reasons. Okay. We'll go to the reasons. And we'll go to the reasons later. All right. So All right. tell us about the original Conjuring. Okay. So there there's this husband and wife duo, Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they Ed's dead. Lorraine's still around. She's very old. She lives in Connecticut. Now wait, here's is, where it gets wait, a little this dicey. Number, this is number one. Yes, and number two, it's this, the, they're par they were paranormal investigators okay. back in like the 60s, oh, so, 70s. So you're saying they're not dead in the movie. These people who are being portrayed in the movie are dead. Yes. One of them's dead. Yes, one, okay. in real life right now, one of them is dead. But back in the 1960s and 70s, they were real life paranormal. So these, these films, by the way, the Conjuring films, they're based in the past. They're based in the 60s, 70s, in, right. in events that happened. Amityville Horror was one of the cases that the Warrens investigated, okay? okay? So they're paranormal investigators, and I think for Christians it gets a little dicey in that they believe, they are they call themselves Christians, Ed and Lorraine, and they would say that they're Christians. They would do things like seances and stuff, though, to try to figure out what had happened in specific places when they felt there was demonic infestation or evil. Now, that's where you get a little bit, if you're talking not about a Christian. Ouija board or you're talking about other things like that, right. Christians would generally say, no, we're not supposed to touch those things. No, so, <laughs> not, not, it's not Christians would generally say. Christians would say. Would say. Right. Would say. Right. Now, the word seance, the way that – and this comes up in the interview that you'll hear today. You know, are you trying to be prophetic or are you trying to tap into dead people, right? right. So there, there are – and this is a fascinating debate too, the difference between prophecy – and believing that there are modern-day prophets who can lay hands on you, pray, and get, tell you things, not about the future, but about messages from God. That's kind of different than projecting the future out, which I find I find the whole debate fascinating. Yeah. But yes, I mean, definitely Ouija boards and things like that Christians should not be touching. Now, I don't know if the, if the Warrens use Ouija boards, but the point is I think they engage – based on what I had read in some of the history, they had engaged in some of their investigations maybe in things that, that Christians wouldn't all be comfortable with. Now – this particular case that The Conjuring is based on was a family, uh, I think it was Rhode Island, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. A family moved right. into this house and immediately started having these bizarre things happen in the house. And it intensified to the point where they brought the Warrens in to try to figure out what was going on. Right. Um, and 
a lot of this was documented. The the real life family was involved in the promotion of the first movie, which wow. is kind of interesting and strange. So we interviewed members of the family. Right. We right. interviewed the filmmakers. Doing, yeah, I remember you doing that. Yeah. So now the the Warrens found that there was something going on in the house, obviously, and over time. Um, the family worked to get that out of the house, and the movie sort of documents some of that. Now, this follow-up, The Conjuring. That, I know that's. I know the the movie The Conjuring is based on a true story. Do you believe that the story upon which they based the movie is actually true? It's very compelling. I okay. think the family experienced something in the house. Now, the movie is very different from what really happened. You know, they, in the movie, they show kind of the, the Warrens as being there the whole time, helping them, um, and it was sort of like a much shorter period of time. In fact, in the real life story. If I recall, they were having a seance in the house and the mother became overtaken who lived in the house by some kind of spirit or whatever. And the family kicked the Warrens out because they were so freaked out. Oh. Now, the movie is a different it has a very different feel and doesn't even deal with a seance. Um, it deals with an exorcism instead. Gotcha. Now, essentially now that this follow up movie, the Warrens dealt with a series of, of cases and they were very big, like in the 60s, 70s, 80s. They were on a lot of shows. People they were highly sought after. Again, they did the Amityville. This new movie is a case in England. They went to England to investigate this case. Now, this is apparently like one of the most well-documented cases in history, and I don't know a whole lot about about the background of it, but it was a family, similar thing. It moved into a house, single mother with four kids, and all this chaos broke out. But there there was police records and other things documenting. And in fact, and you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but apparently when the police showed up to the house, um, they ended up running out of the house. They were so freaked out. Mm. And, you know, And all this is documented. So right. this movie is is... It follows the Warrens through their the next part of their journey. Okay, cool. Oh, you know what? We got to talk about this off off air. But, but speaking of interviews, we were supposed to do another interview with somebody, and we totally forgot this week because you got caught up in other things and job transitions. And who who was it? I don't even I, remember. Well, I don't want to use the name, but think books. It was the one I was setting up. Oh yeah. Not yes. that you're ignoring me, but I'm just saying the one that you and I had talked about that I that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. They had approached me about we we need to we need to give that person a call. Yes, and um Jerry Jenkins as well was another oh, person yeah. who we will be having on yes. next week as well. So Okay, good. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, he's All fascinating. Right, so anyway, back to conjuring two. Maybe we should just roll the interview at this point. Okay, I just wanted wanted to know if you had anything else you wanted to add from the Yeah, look, the I, I boys. think I, I do. I, I think um, these movies are interesting. I know a lot of people don't want to touch demonic type movies. I will say that the filmmakers work really hard. They're Christians, the mm -hmm. filmmakers, to try to integrate in a message of faith where good triumphs over evil. And so <coughs> I asked them one controversial question that you'll hear about some of the seance stuff and all of that and why some of that isn't included in these movies. It's not. You know, They're not right. showing a seance. They're not showing Ouija boards. They're not. They're showing this battle of infestation and and i think it's fascinating i do Interesting. all right okay good roll yeah. it it's billy hollowell here with the church boys podcast and i have chad and carrie hayes on the line how you guys doing you're doing great hey. man how are you billy i'm good i'm good we were just talking offline before we started here about how it's been about three years since we last talked and um, our last discussion was about the conjuring which as listeners know was a huge movie uh, I think it was the second highest grossing film worldwide, horror film worldwide. Um, and what I love about the work that you guys do as as screenwriters and going into stories and telling those stories on screen is that 
you know, a movie like The Conjuring, there's so many scary films out there, right? And people love them, but but your movies have this sort of deeper meaning in them that people can take away, uh, which is what I loved about about The Conjuring. And now we have The Conjuring 2 uh, coming out very soon this month. And first of all, congratulations on that. I know it's exciting. Um, but I yep. guess you know, my first question, just to kind of dive in um, for you guys, is what what goes into making a you know putting a, a script together for a film like the conjuring 2 well uh, it's it's finding the the right story and in the range cases we have a number of cases to choose from so you're kind of selective in which way you want to turn after the first one that's what we were presented that's why we settled on on enfield and we settled on enfield because uh, this movie takes place right around the time when Ed and Lorraine were accused of being kind of charlatans after their their investigation of Amityville. And so we found that really interesting because they were up against people that were non-believers. They were on talk shows where they were confronted by people. And it was a volatile time for them, but they just they stayed steadfast in their in their faith. And, and Lorraine will tell you, if she were on the show, she you know, says, I, I don't really care what people believe because it's between me and God, and God knows the truth. So when we chose the Enfield, it was really compelling because this was a huge case in England where the family was also accused of making everything up. And so the Warrens could definitely identify with them. And so it was these parallel journeys that come to a really amazing climax. And we felt it just made it a, a big film, compelling, lots of emotion, good roller coaster with scares, oh, also, and a true story. Um, another story, uh, you know, about a, a good family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you see how this disrupts a good family. And, and Chad, and I think that's important because you want to, you want to start good and then you want to break the pieces, then you want to bring them back together. And because it was true, mm-hmm. you know, it just resonated, uh, everybody, you know, new line and all of it. Mm-hmm. So I think this is, this is the next story. It's, it's really, yeah. it was great. Really. Now, it was just such a fun film. Now you got, you guys are Christians, which I think is what, it may shock some people. First, there's a couple of layers to that. The first layer is that obviously Hollywood, for some reason, a lot of people assume there aren't Christians in Hollywood, but we know there are Christians in <laughs> Hollywood, um, and there are a lot of them. Uh, but but the other piece is that you're dealing in a world here where I think a lot of Christians get uncomfortable because they're sort of like, oh, well, we don't want to touch anything that's ghostly or, you know. And, and, and so you're, you're kind of dealing in a lot of different pieces of a puzzle here, although you know, the Bible speaks very clearly about evil, demonic investigation, you know, demonic possession and all that. that. Those are things that are in the Bible, right? So how do you guys balance that out? And have you, the second part of that question, have you dealt with critique from other Christians, in, you know, for your work in, on The Conjuring in particular? I don't think we have ever negatively been critiqued Mm-hmm. that I've read. I mean, we've got tons of support from the Christian world because, you know, as you say, even in the Bible, I mean, the battle of good and evil has been going on forever, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's kind of like if you look at it and if you ultimately believe that world exists, and then in our movies, good will always triumph over evil, you know, with the with the power of faith and, and mm-hmm. God and so on, then it's actually a really good kind of a lesson book we feel, you know, for younger audiences especially. Or well, even... you have Christians that say, why do I want to go and, and support the demonic, when in fact, I would hope that they would look at it the other way, is by exposing that the demonic world actually exists to people who are non-believers, raises a lot of questions, and people go to faith to have that power. Some of them may be experiencing what we're showing in our movie and not understand it, and just suddenly go, oh, 
shoot, that's happening to me, you know? That's yeah. where we get a lot of those thank yous where people come up and go, man, I saw your movie and I was terrified and I thought something was wrong with me. And, and then they would go and talk to a, a priest. And I don't I think we talked about this last time, Billy, like, you know, when you core out these movies and, you know, Carrie and I are into Ephesians a lot, you know, and the armor of God and all that. And in the Bible where it says in your struggle, you know, not against flesh and blood and that whole verse, it's just... It's it's an amazing tool to be able to use, and uh, I think since we spoke last time, what we've been um, hit up by is a lot of priests who come up to us and ministers, and I mean, Rick Warren shook our hand and just said, well done, gentlemen, really well done, and it just, it's the truth, you know, and because of that, I would hope that Christians would support it. And in fact, we know they have. It was, it just crossed over into the, uh, into that world in just such a huge way, rippling all over the world, literally, um, on, uh, on the faith-based community, which we were highly appreciative of. It was really great. Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing, the thing is, and I have not actually seen critiques of you guys, but I was curious and I was curious to see mm -hmm. it because it, everybody, there's always a critic, right? And especially, and I'm a Christian yes, <laughs> in the Christian world. Sometimes there's always a critic. So, you know, now, What's fascinating to me is since that since the first Conjuring came out, there have been so many news stories. I mean, this this issue of good and evil. A lot of people will try to laugh off, you know, stories of possession or infestation and say, "Oh, that's crazy." You know, you get a lot of atheists sort of doing that. But there seems to be an uptick in discussion about these topics, and it's really fascinating. I mean, you get in, and you start talking to priests and pastors about this and they will tell you their theories about, you know, as as, you know, society sort of secularizes or removes God that there's a bigger opening for some of this. And there's a lot of interesting theolo theological discussion and debate about that. Um, you know, I guess as you as you guys have looked at all of this, in particular in the story that is the, you know, the underpinning for the Conjuring 2, a story that happened in real life that you guys have investigated, what were some of the most shocking things about the story that compelled you and, and sort of forced you guys to believe that it was true, the real-life story? Well, well oh, I, it, I think uh, I could say one thing, like Janet, uh, the daughter mm -hmm. that we really focus on, had this voice that would come out of her, and but literally put water in her mouth and marbles and marbles in her mouth and they taped her mouth closed and the voice and the voice would speak. still speak and what really drew us into it quite honestly is we went so into all the encounters and went back to the original material and the very first police investigation there were two two cops that that showed up heats and uh peterson. and peterson and they showed up and they literally ran out of the house because they were witness to supernatural <laughs> activity and they and they were dumbfounded. They didn't know what to do. And it was the female officer who happened to know a priest. She was a Catholic, and she said, "Maybe I you should talk to my to my priest." And that's where that whole thing started for that family. It's 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 really you know it's so interesting, Billy, because you know you like in the Conjuring, Chad and I had the handwritten notes, mm -hmm. you know, of from the family, and you know hearing their stories. And when somebody's telling you this, you know, you can kind of get a sense of you know, fake or fiction, you know, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and, and Well, Janet, she's a full-grown woman, is just still rattled yeah, by what happened. And, and if you go, man, i got to get this story told, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and because I think people will relate to stuff like that. Yeah, know? and it was a really, it was such a big case um, in England. It was, you know, like the equivalent of our Amityville here, sort of, you know, without the murders and stuff like that. But it was that well-known. And to cross-document these things and be able to actually dig in and, and discover the truth that was written so long ago by eyewitness, eyewitness. There were so many eyewitness accounts 
to this thing that I don't know how you would ever avoid it being not truthful. You know. Yeah, she had different things happen to her, you know, specifically, and and uh, that you'll see in the movie. But uh, that was different than the Conjury, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 it's as as storytellers, you know, we need and wanted to present something as good, if not better, mm-hmm. than the first one because uh, everybody's going to go in having high expectations, especially. You know, James Chennai you know, well, was going, okay, we're, we're very challenged here. we got to do something. Well, here's the exciting news for your audience. It opens next uh, June, June 10th, next week. Next Friday. Next week. Friday, and we did a giant a test screening, which you normally do on these things, and, and it tested higher than the first one across all audiences, and actually more than the audience found it as scary or scarier than the first one. Well, and that's very exciting the us. thing is, you you could make up a story, right? And, and Hollywood does this all the time. They put a, a scary movie on, they make up a story, um, or you could take something that's based on a true story and create something around it. And sometimes that's a little more terrifying. Again, you're going to have your critics who say who say this isn't real, this isn't true. But I guess let me let me ask you this in relation to that: How many um, people from the original story, the family, the police, others, did you guys interview? How many of them were involved, and how deeply were they involved? in the process of formulating the, the um, script for this? Well, the, on the original story, the, the whole family uh, got involved. Like, um, it, it was so well documented, you know? And then um, James did a number of interviews with the family uh, over in England, which really, you know, cross-referenced what was in print versus what happened to them personally. Um, and so that all, you know, got placed into the, uh, into the screenplay. And... Um, I mean, we try to. When you base something on a true story, yes, Bill, you're absolutely right. Most it of makes our this, stuff came from Lorraine, to be yeah, honest with you, right. because it's her story. And she you was know, there, was you know, and it was just uh, prior to the Lorraine and at getting there is where we had to fill in with the Huston family. Um, but when we write these, when we write these things, it's great, Karen. In particular, look for look for true stories. Um, because people can look them up and they can study them on their own, you know, and they see that us as writers, that we may have condensed the timeline and they may have spent a year trying to battle this thing, but you know what? We only have two hours in a movie, so our timeline might be, uh, you know, take, move, some, liberties, take yeah. some liberties there, but we really try to stick to uh, as much of the truth as we possibly can. Now, let me ask you guys kind of a difficult question. I'm not trying to put you in, in an awkward spot, but I'm really curious about this. When you, like in the first movie, I know that the way the story has gone um, is that in, in real life, there was sort of a seance. There were some other elements that happened in real life that aren't shown in the film. Are there ever times where you have to kind of leave things out or you choose to because maybe, you know, th- there are certain things that Ed and Lorraine did that some Christians might say, oh, well, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do seances. We shouldn't touch those. Is there a balance in kind of how you address those things in art and how you bring them out in the film, keeping in mind the Christian audience? Yeah, I think you can temporize it a little bit, depending on where you feel like. you got to remember, uh, you know, in 1949, they were selling Ouija boards as games, right, you know, right. and people were playing with them. And, and that's when, if you can go back, there are a lot of, lot of things that started happening in 1949 that surround the Ouija board, and you'll just see a huge influx in that. Um, there would be things like... Um, well, you know, well, like what you wouldn't do, I'm trying to think. Ed and Lorraine are two individuals who make choices, all their own choices, mm-hmm. right? And it's like everyday Christians make their own choices. Mm-hmm. Lorraine, who is a psychic, 
you know, use her choices as creating, as being, you know, in a, Helpful, creating a yeah. seance. Right. But she, you know, she is working in her mind for the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And she has been given this gift, and she doesn't look at the gift as it's a bad thing, but that's, you know, you know, it's, she is I think, very well, and seance has such a negative connotation, but when you actually watch this movie, and the truth is, Lorraine did do a seance in Amityville, yeah. and that's how she discovered the truth there. And she discovers something else I don't want to give away, which was amazing when we found out uh, what had happened. It ties into the first film. But, you know, when someone has the power and the authority of, of God and uses it the right way, then whatever the tools that have been given to them by God, they have to use. And so however society labels it, then perhaps sometimes that's just being naive, you know, or yeah, relying on the negative, uh, you know, and uh, adaption of how it's looked at. So, you know, like people say, uh, oh, you should never go see a psychic because the psychic, who do you know where the information is coming from? But we all know there's strong Christian psychics and people believe in them because they know that they're with the Lord, you know? Yeah, I and guess... That the guidance um, is that way, so... Well, no, it's interesting. And it's funny. I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day, the difference between a prophet and a psychic, right? And they, and they were sort of yeah. saying, you know, one is getting power from God and one is getting power, you know, the other is not getting power from God. It's coming from the other side. And I thought that was really right. an interesting, an interesting thing. Um, yeah, and, and one discerning information, one trying to just predict the future, which are also very different things too. Um, so anyway, I, yep. I think this is all fascinating. And I, so I asked that question because I was curious to know. And so is this true? You guys actually had a priest, a priest bless the set before filming began? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. And yep, now, is that absolutely. something you did with the first movie too? Oh yeah, yeah. Lorraine came on, remember? And yeah. Lorraine came on, and and when she came to visit the set, she walked around the set, and uh, and she was disturbed by a couple things, and asked James if they could be removed. And James was like, wait, Lorraine, the the interior we built all of this. It's the interior of the house, and in in the sound stage. And she goes, it's not the house, honey. It's some of the articles here, and how things attach themselves. You know, like we. You know, like yeah, the Annabelle pointed, doll, and the, she pointed to a dresser and to this other thing, and they were they were gone from the set in one minute. You know, and then she, it's so interesting because she, you know, she prays all the time, and she actually has uh, an artifact room at her house and has mass performed every day over that artifact room just to keep everything dangerous in one place. You know, what she say? I think we said this before. It's like taking guns off the street, is what Ed was saying. But, yeah, no, um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, now what, what are you hoping that people leave this film thinking and, and feeling after they see it? The, uh, for me, like entertained, you know, I, you know, that just would be, Hey, I just saw a really freaking awesome movie, mm-hmm. but at the same time, wow, well, where do I stand in my belief? Where do I stand in my belief? And at the same time, what is my relationship like? you know, with God, mm-hmm. and what is my relationship like with my girlfriend, my spouse, my husband, whatever, because we really try to exemplify Ed and Lorraine as this amazing marriage, mm-hmm. amazing couple. Well, they have truthful. If you talk to Lorraine, it's just, it's amazing, Billy. They've been together since they were 15 and 16 years old. Ed died a number of years ago, but um, what a what an awesome marriage, and to work together, you know, and have that kind of love, and Patrick and, and Vera just do an exceptional job on uh, on pulling it off on this film. I think people will really, really enjoy the journey, but I think walking out of the film, as Carrie said, not only entertained, but yeah, where do I stand and what do I believe in, you know? And should I raise some questions? Should I, is there someone I should talk to? I, I should have that strength and that authority over myself, you know? Because you can have it if you believe. It's, it's powerful. So 
I don't know. Does that answer your question? No, <laughs> no, fine. it does. I, I love this. And now I know you guys probably have to run here because I've taken up a lot of your time. But I, one last thing. I asked you guys what were sort of the most compelling things that led you to believe about the case. But I guess I would also ask you, was there any, were there any details or pieces that stuck with you and that creeped you out that kind of still, still haunt you a little bit about the, the story? Janet's voice, it, it, that was so trippy when we came, because we, we heard the actual recordings of that, and um, it, to have such a young girl have such a powerful voice come out of her without the ability, that, that was just, that, I, get, I have chills right now when I talk about that, because that was weird, and then the idea of an authoritative figure, it didn't creep me out, it kind of brought a smile to my face with the officer that witnessed the supernatural, and, and two cops come running out of the house, and that's all in the police report, and and uh, I find that kind of amusing. But then there were some other things that happened in that house with this girl uh, levitating with the ability. You'll see this in the film, too. I'm not giving it away, but she would appear and reappear. And at one point, and we saw the pictures of this, she disappeared in front of people. And then they heard muffled screams, and they found her downstairs, what they call a circuit box. And it's a box with all these pipes, and her body was so intertwined on this box that it had a lock or a seal on it that had to be locked from the outside. And when they opened it, um, it was very difficult to um, extract her from that thing. And that image has just not left me either. She was so intertwined in her arms and her legs and her neck was twisted. And it was very disturbing. It was really disturbing. Well, listen, this has been great. Any final words for people, for the listeners out there? Great. the movie. You guys, we appreciate all your support. June 10th. Um, and it just, it's been such a fun ride and we hope you really just go and enjoy yourself, get really scared and, uh, and get protected. <laughs> well, thank you guys. This has been great. Thanks, Billy. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through Real Estate Agents I Trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Back to the church boys. Now, Billy had teased the story earlier that we're going to get to in a minute about raisins. Was it about raisins? It's about raisins. But before we get, but before we get to that, we had start. I had mentioned we needed to just talk about something else before we moved on, and then we moved on. Your workout thing that you're doing now, or workout or diet. Oh, um, the company you've launched, Princess Portions. <laughs> Princess Portions. We need to. That sounds like a, we need to launch a new business idea. I here. heard there's a commercial coming from you oh, soon really? in the next couple of weeks about Princess Portions. <laughs> I don't even the, remember getting a script for this commercial. Well, you're going to be recording it because you've launched this beautiful company <laughs> helping princesses is, control their portions. Is Laura, is, are you drinking beer while we're doing, what is that? No, I'm drinking that coffee. In a beer mug. You're so weird. 
It says good morning. <laughs> this I just realized what this mug says. It says good morning, gorgeous. Hello, gorgeous. <laughs> um, no, I'm like drinking a... coffee. Although I might as well be drinking beer. Why not? <laughs> I actually do not like beer. I was just telling. Oh, really? I like wine. Do I'm you? classy. Allegedly. Now, do you like the hard alcohol, the hard liquors? Um, not. I don't like them. No, right. no, not really. Would I? Will I have like a drink every, like kind of watered down every once in a while? Yeah, but yeah. if I was gonna drink anything, and I don't even drink a lot, I probably have like two glasses of wine a week, if that. And they're like relatively small glasses. Oh, I don't like. He's got these giant tumblers full of <laughs> wine. <laughs> I don't like glasses. a lot of wine. I don't yeah. like. I don't like the feeling of it. I like. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it kind Are of easy. Red like wine, white wine kind of guys. Listen, listen. Red, I, red, red, red. I speak to you as a total teetotaler. How, ask me how much alcohol I've had in my life. You've had zero, zero sips of alcohol in my entire life. I've never tasted it. Not even I've like, never not even smoked like com- anything or done anything else. Not, but even I've like had commu- not even like communion wine. But, um, mm. uh, well, so, so you're a wine guy, a red wine guy. Yeah, I like red wine. Yeah. I do. And there's no beer that you like? No. I mean, I, I would say. No, not really. I I every once in a while like I could sip one and be like, "Oh, that's okay," but I just it kind of grosses me right. out. Really? There there's only I mean, it, I alcohol has no appeal to me at all. It's not like I'm fighting this temptation I have to stop and so I'm not becoming alcoholic. It's like, "No, it's just not for me." And and there's no temptation. The only thing that's tempting about any form of alcohol is beer because I'm curious on the taste, but also because it's like baseball and beer go together and I am such a big baseball nut. I love baseball so much. It's like I almost feel like I'm missing out on my enjoyment of the game by not having a beer. And I know that I'm not. It's, it's funny like, you say that because I will I have a beer. I associate the two things together. I will have a beer in um, a situation like that, like at a like game watching, maybe or Watching something. The Bachelor. Or... <laughs> oh, I hate The Bachelor. I'm not John Seidel here, okay? Let's not. <laughs> it's, you like your early reality TV shows, so you can have your beer during then so you can pretend to be a little bit manly while you're sitting with your wife on the couch watching whatever nonsense you really are quite the creature i am you really are so okay so back to your diet thing that you're doing so it's not princess portions that's my thing but so explain this to me it sounded the way you explained it to me it made it sound like you were buying stock in tupperware essentially (laughs) so this is it's called the 21 day fix and I have to say, look, wait, 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 wait. every five years I lose 50, 40 pounds. What? Now, what isn't, do you, have isn't, you the, isn't this, isn't there, and maybe you'll get into this, is there a, isn't there a connection to Rivette in all of this? Like evil Rivette has somehow caused this or she's connected to it? Um, No, not this one. Oh, yes. No, yes. Evil Rivette is because her husband uh, sells like the oh, Beachbody that's, products that's and is. that Beachbody is the parent company. Okay. Um, I actually want to have the 21 day fix creator on because she's out of control. Like she's amazing. Um, anyway, look, I'm not big on these like diet plans. I lose 40 pounds every few years. I did it with a personal trainer last time and then I gained it back, of course, but I did it with a trainer last time. The time before that, I, um, just did it by working out and eating less. So how fast, how quickly do you normally lose? You say you lose 40 pounds every five years, but like, it's like you lose and gain 40 pounds in five years. Like you get back to where you were every five years. The last time I lost the weight, I started in like end of January, and by April I was down forty. Okay, um, and then you you so, kept it off for a while, and then it slowly crept back. I would say two or three years it yeah. came back. 
so slowly. Actually, working at the Blaze is what like thirty of the pounds came back. Um, I was way more active before. I would go to Queens. I'd walk right. to work. I would walk back. You know, it was right. just even if I didn't want to be active, I was way more active. And then the minute I started at the Blaze, it was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and eat bonbons while I type all day. Right. So. I, you know, look, I was looking for something that would be good that wouldn't be, I wouldn't be obsessed with, with it. And it wouldn't be something where I had to buy a million products to do it. Right. Now, having said that, be, you do have to, for 21 day fix, you buy the workouts, you buy, it's like $160 for the whole plan. But right. Right. you really don't, I mean, there are other ways around it. We paid for one, my wife and I were both doing it. Um, it it's all based on containers. So there's different size containers that are different colors. And there's carbs, there's healthy fats. Now, do you buy these? Do you buy these containers from the company, or do you like? You can buy them from the company, but if you go online, there's like, there there are like spreadsheets that show you how like it's a it's a half a cup of this, a full cup of that. Right. So you by don't... like you could go to the you could go to the thrift store or the yes. dollar store and buy a bunch of these containers and just put ta <coughs> put tape on them and write on the tape. Yeah, or okay. you could just use a measuring cup and right. put food in it and measure it out. I mean, it's not okay. Yeah, you know, look, it, it's it's about it's portion really control. Not bad, right? And like I'm stuffed all day long. I was hungry the first day, but I'm like I'm eating more than enough. I feel and there's an app on your phone which is kind of cool. So you can be like, okay, I had one serving of fruit for breakfast, I had this for lunch, and it tells you how much you have left. But don't so, you don't you already have it pre-portioned every day? And like like you've got six you got, you know, sixteen containers in your refrigerator and, and when those sixteen containers are gone, you're done for the day. Isn't that how it goes? Pretty much. I mean that that's kind of how we have done it. Um, you know, we at night we try to get things ready. Like today, oh, though, we like we actually right have dinner taken out. We're gonna have turkey burgers or whatever. Um, and like each one turkey burger is a container of protein. So if you have five containers of, or four containers of protein, it's like okay, two turkey burgers with no bread. It's just it's it's not hard. It's actually not hard at all. And you're not. They have shakes they sell. We we yeah. bought them, but we haven't tried them yet. You don't need to try the shakes. You don't need to eat the shakes. I don't know. I actually think I'm gaining muscle right now, so I don't think I'm well, losing. Losing weight, right. but I feel like I'm getting all the, more because of all because of all the weightlifting you've been doing. I mean, where are you so, getting this muscle mass? So there is there is weightlifting involved a little bit. Right, I'm only using ten pound weights right now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but no, I've been running two miles every day in addition right. to doing the program. So in addition to the eating, you work out a half an hour at night. But I've been doing two miles a day, two point five miles a day on top of that to try to. <laughs> I so like I how you slipped it in. It's like I've been doing two. Well, two point five. Well, I'll do like two miles running, 0.5 cooldown. You know, that's kind of been my whatever. But no, look, look, this is my wife wants to lose her post baby weight. I want to lose my weight. I want to lose my 40 pounds. It, it helps everyone. Chris is laughing. Here we go. Okay, Princess so, portions. Okay. So first, first, I would, you know, what? and I, I think I told you this. I, every night before I go to bed, I prepare the coffee machine. I, I grind the coffee, I pour the water into the back of the coffee pot, and then I hit the button that says this will brew at 5 o'clock in the morning so that it's ready to go when I'm ready to go to my desk. I hate doing that. I despise doing it. I still do it. How long does it take me to do that? Two minutes? Maybe two and a half? Maybe to, to get the coffee ready? I hate every second of getting the coffee ready for the next morning. You're kind the, of a the, princess, I, though. Oh, I am. I hate, well, I hate logistics stuff. So I could never, I mean, doing the portion thing, unless someone else set it up for me and said, okay, this is where you eat from. And like, it's almost like it's a trough, but it's in the, it's in the, it's in the refrigerator. If my wife, if my wife were to do all the legwork on a diet like that, 
I'd be willing to consider it and be a part of it, but I will never do the legwork for something like that. I'm that lazy. <laughs> well, I, I'm that annoyed by process. Well, right. here's the thing. During the day, I'm pretty much doing mostly fruits and vegetables. Today, I had you can have six slices of like um, turkey Cheese. or ham as long you know that's you know, so you can do stuff like that. Yeah. So it's easy. Like the fruits in like a vat, you just take it out. Okay, I'm gonna have a cup of fruit. That's one serving of fruit. That is kind of how I'm doing it. Now the problem is, I love dinner, so I'll try to save a lot of my stuff for dinner. Right? Are you allowed now, to do that? Um. Well. I, it's you can because you're allowed within a day to eat whatever you want. So right. I don't know how effective that is, though. I kind of wonder. Um, There's a part of me that would say, like, okay, I'm going to have this bowl of strawberries here this morning, and then everything else I will have at 6 o'clock tonight. Right. That's kind of how I like to be. Now, I don't know that that's good, so we'll see how that pans out. Last right. night I had rice for the first time because you can have brown rice. Right. Um, it's portioned out. And it was a lot of rice. I was like, yeah. holy crap. I mean, this is because I hadn't eaten any right. of the carbs for the day. Right. Um, now we'll see. They say, like, I'm not joking. I've talked to a lot of people who have done this, and they're like, "This was an amazing program for me. It worked." Yeah. It, you know, and I think it's because you're eating normal food. It's not like Nutrisystem where they're sending you food to eat. Yeah. You're eating your normal food. You're yeah. just portioning it out, which yeah. is exactly that's, what you need to do to not what, be fat. And that is what you should do. I mean, that's the right, right thing to. Did you have you speaking of losing weight, and <laughs> and, and I want to get to your your running habits as as well because I can just okay. So let's get to your running habits first. <laughs> I can just picture you because you posted this video. Have you only done one video of you running? I've done like ten of them. Because okay, like it's like <laughs> yeah, I'm like crying. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> and it's like click pump, click pump, click pump, click pump. It's like you're galloping down the road, but it's slower than that. It's more like like it's like well, I don't know. How do you it's like you waddle? It's like you filmed a Clydesdale. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> and you're wandering along and you're in this environment. And I see the, the the beautiful pictures and I'm like, he's going to be sexually assaulted where he's running. Get off the trail by the river because that's where they put the bodies. You're in New York, for God's sake. No, what are I'm you in, doing? I am in this amazing place. So where I'm running, I don't want to give away where I, where I live, but... It is on the it's on, on the Hudson, Hudson but yeah. this place is like a secret gem. For three years, I lived here. I never knew it was there. There's yeah. like this bridge that you can walk over. Okay, never knew it was there. It is like the nicest place. Now, do you I've drive? Ever been to do you have town. to drive there to go run, or does it within walking distance from your home that you can run it? You can walk there, run it, and walk home. I drive there, but it's like four minutes down the road. I mean, it's like I could, but here's the thing: I would walk, but there's no sidewalk on our road, and it's a main, very oh, busy road. Oh, okay, well then that's so I tend to like not like it. I, I've wrote, I ran on it yeah. once, and it made me really uncomfortable. So no, so I will go to this place, park, go across the bridge, and run. And there are a lot of people at, there. There are tons of people. That's okay. the other thing. It's like everyone knows about this secret, but me apparently. And there's beaches, like there's like sand and beach areas. Oh wow. Now, I don't know that I'd swim in the Hudson, although this is a, a Well, it's it's half salt water, half Hudson water. So it's um like one side is safe. salt water and one side is fresh water, or is it combined? It's combined. It's okay. it's an estuary, okay. apparently. Whatever. So there you go. Now you're gonna uh, be taking the family there? Do you does your wife know about this place? Has she known about it all along and you're just discovering? No, it? she didn't know. And I okay. brought her there. I brought the we let we raised butterflies and we let the butterflies out there. Um, Wait, and, 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 <laughs> okay, we have to that's that's next. We got you just found our next subject matter. Okay, so tell me about so you took the <laughs> <laughs> It's exhausting being your friend. 
Uh, the kids we raised for for Ava, my three year old. She we had caterpillars that we was this a school that pro- we allowed. Was this to, a school project? She was studying them in school, so we did it at home. My wife was doing it at school for her kids. She's a teacher for her kids too. So we ordered them. And I know what they, your daughter. I know what your wife teaches too. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I tell you a funny story about this though? They released the butterflies at her school oh, no. in the in the in the Bronx, and the butterflies flew out, and a bird ate it. Ate one of them immediately, <laughs> it's like right in front of sixty kids. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Be free!" And all of a sudden, it was like a giant New York City pigeon devoured one of the butterflies. It's like that video of that seal, that sea lion being set free of years ago. I think it was in. San Francisco. I can't. <laughs> they let it go. It immediately gets eaten by a shark or a killer whale or something. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> so, uh, is it San Francisco? It doesn't matter. So, okay. Was there a reason you couldn't have let the butterflies... <laughs> can't even believe we're talking about... Let them go just like, you know, I don't know, on your back porch? Because I didn't want to. I wanted to take them to the park, which, by the way, it was like 90 degrees and everybody was complaining. Ava was complaining. My wife was complaining. It's so hot. Why are okay, we walking so, across so, this bridge? Again, was there a reason you couldn't have just let them out on the back porch? I found this little paradise and I wanted everybody else to come and see it and nobody cared. But I, why did you feel this need to say, we got to make a trip over here? To let the butterflies go. Because I was like, we, we got to start our workout early. This will be a good walk. It'll be great. And then Ava's like, carry me. I can't I, carry me. She didn't want to walk. It was awful. And so I'm like carrying her up a giant bridge. I'm like, this is terrible. We're not doing this again. But I go there every day to run. I didn't go yesterday and I haven't gone today yet. But I've gone every other day to run. And it's great. There's every this other day. beautiful 9-11 memorial. Every other day too, since Monday you've been there. <laughs> I went Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think. <laughs> Been there. It'd be more accurate to say I've been there five times. <laughs> Whatever. The bottom. So the, the bottom reason, line here is okay. that there's this amazing 9/11 memorial at the end of it, which is awesome. It's like a piece okay, of the tower, cool. well, cool. which is super cool too. Yeah. I mean, it's just a great spot that nobody really had told me about. I wonder why. <laughs> I saw my neighbors running there. It was They're great. all going, like, "Oh crap!" Now he's figured out where this is. We got to find a new place to run. But honestly, I'm afraid I'm in a cardiac arrest because oh, it's hope. so hot. Please be videoing it. Every day you got to do it because just, I mean, on the on the likelihood of you having some sort of episode or being attacked or confronted, you just got to keep it with you. I, we got to have this recorded. It's a super nice neighborhood, but it does make me nervous. I wouldn't go at certain times. Like if, if I was the only one there, it would creep me out. No, I thought you said it was like a park. Isn't it, a it is, and it's usually pretty busy, but... There are parts of the trail. It's like a right, it's it like runs a right along trail. right along the water, like these big these big rocks. I saw your, your yeah. videos. So you know, I, I think if I were alone there, it would it would freak me out a little bit. But yeah. but I have never been. I mean, it's always yeah. been a ton of people. There are parts I've been alone, and I've like looked behind me because I'm blasting music in my headphones. I'm like somebody could murder me, and nobody would even know. We have time to talk about like one or two stories now. We we have to talk about the raisin because we okay, promised let's, that. Let's uh, you and your, you and your get get thin get thin quicks games. Look, we're done talking about that. You need to understand that you have some serious issues. Whatever, I need to not be fat. That's the goal. And so whatever it takes to get there. I'm going to do it. And I'll probably be fat again in two years. But the bottom line is I'm at least going to try 
today to be less fat. I get texts from Andrea all the time. Could you talk to my husband? <laughs> it's just enormous. <laughs> <laughs> when you go to hell, Chris, I want you to call me and let me know if the blind, what color the blinds are oh, and the man. curtains. Okay. 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 So on to the raisins. Let's do this again. On to the raisin. Tell everybody. Okay, this is like my favorite story of the week. There's this Islamic scholar um, who is, and apparently she's not the first one. Other people have, other people have said the same thing. But her name is Irshad Manji. I think I'm saying that correct. Um, Irshad Manji. She appeared on CNN last month, and nobody covered this. There were like two outlets that covered it, and I was like, "This is so amazing. We got to cover it." Apparently, according to this Islamic scholar, uh, there is a misinterpretation going on when it comes to the claim that extremists will use to bring people in and recruit them that they will get 20, 72 virgins after death if they martyr themselves. That's sort of the claim. If, if you do this, you come in, you're going to get all these virgins once you die. Well, she's claiming that the word does not mean virgins that's being translated. It actually means something lush, meaning raisins, that you will get 72 raisins after you die. Now, can, it- can you imagine these martyrs finding out that they're getting raisins? Something lush. I wouldn't consider. I wouldn't consider raisins lush. Neither would I. But that was the word she used. Honestly, the, 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 the comical. It's so very few things you can laugh about in this realm. But if they are misinterpreting this word accidentally, we can laugh about it. But I don't. Can understand. we not? How did it take this long for that? How did it take this long for that to become public knowledge? As far as I know, now, and I don't know the deep, deep history on this. This has been around for a while. There's been a debate about this for a while. I think it was 2001. There was a German. I think he's German. I know the book was published only in German author um, who had Christopher Luxembourg, who had written a book about this, um, saying that when you took when you looked at the Syriac. Mm-hmm. Ver, you know, meaning of the words and not the Arabic, that that's that that's where there was another meaning. So this is back in at least 2001. There was a book out talking about this. So scholars were starting to debate this and talk about it. But it hasn't. I mean, I had not heard a lot about this. No. Michael Pelka had mentioned it a while back, but I don't know the reception of this book. And I'm actually planning to do a deeper dive on it because I'm interested yeah. in yeah. this. Um, but but at the time. Christopher Luxembourg's book was really getting a lot of attention because he was one of the first ones, I think, to bring it into more of the mainstream and, and discuss it. So, yes, it's been around for a little while, but I think people were intrigued by the fact that Fareed Zakaria was having this conversation about it with this Islamic scholar last <laughs> it's, month. It's, yeah, that's what's amazing to me is like everybody after 9-11 happened, everybody heard about the 72 virgins. I mean, there was all the different there was different jokes. I mean, it doesn't matter. What source you went to, liberal, conservative, non-political, they were all making jokes about the 72 virgins thing. I mean, one of the famous jokes was 72 virgins. They didn't tell them that it was 72 nuns, right? Like, they think these old nuns, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, one of the political cartoons. But, but the 72 virgins thing has been around since, I mean, we have been talking about, it's been part of American discussions about Islam and radical Islam since at least 2001, when it was publicized to us following the 9-11 attacks. So 15 years, and it's taken this long for anybody to really, I mean, to actually make mainstream this discussion about, you know what, the word actually might mean raisins. Well, I think, I, I really do think that this debate and this discussion um, 
is a bizarre one, but also it's not settled. It's not like anybody has said, oh, no, that's true. She's right. There's, a, you know, or Chris, Chris Luxemburg is right. There is there's really none of that. It's, it's a continued debate, I guess, that over the over these words and whether or not this the Syriac and the is really a different thing than the Arabic. And look, I don't know, but we're going to do a deeper dive because I found it so it is entertaining. Yeah. Interesting. So let's, uh, you know what? We're not going to take a break. We'll just keep going. We'll keep going here because there are a couple other stories that we have to get to, right? And yeah, we better. Well, okay, first of all, before we get to the other two stories that you sent me links to, so this Donald Trump rally, the 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 violence that happened was at San Jose. Oh yeah, I barely. Night. I have to be honest. I barely read. It. I just I mean, can't take this it anymore. Woman gets so pelted with food, with eggs. I mean, and then this other guy but gets like, attacked. And then this, the mayor of San Jose, San Jose, I believe, comes out and blames Donald Trump saying, you need to really get a, a handle on what's going on here and the kind of rhetoric you use. He's like, no, the protesters protested. The violent people, the ones violent. I, See, this is why I think Donald Trump is going to resonate more because now people are going to say, wait oh, yeah. a minute, these same protesters are the people who have been throwing things at cop cars and doing it. Yeah. This is yeah. this is. It's very strange yep. how, yes, has he said things that are questionable and problematic? Yes. Yeah, but yeah. First of all, that shouldn't be inspiring violence. No. Se okay. Right. Second of all, the fact that he's being blamed when people are repeatedly showing up to his rallies and causing violence and they're not his supporters right. generally, not maybe sometimes doing it. Right. That's a problem. Yep. Once again, <laughs> the people on the left are, act are acting like Donald Trump is the person exerting terror on others when I it know. really is. But that's and that's the thing that gets me is that. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta watch what you say simply because you gotta watch what you're saying just as a normal civilized human being. You can't be preaching hate just because, you, otherwise you're just a dick. And you know, don't be <laughs> the new model. <laughs> new right. model, don't be a dick. And you know, it's like, come on, <laughs> princess portions, princess don't portions, be <laughs> don't be a dick. <laughs> it's but like Nikki Haley, the governor of us, a Republican, conservative Republican governor of South Carolina. She was a big Marco fan. When Marco dropped out, she supported Cruz, and now she's saying she'll support Trump. But she came out and, and made a statement. Oh, I believe it was, I think it was yesterday, I think it was Thursday. Maybe it was Thursday night or Friday morning following the riots. And she said something about, you know, he's got to tone down his rhetoric. I know what that kind of rhetoric can do because she's, and she's thinking back, hearkening, hearkening back to the, the shootings that happened a year ago in that church in South Carolina at the black church. So I know what that kind of rhetoric can do. I saw it happen. It's like, quit blaming the rhetoric. Blame the bad people. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a little Exhausting. confused as to why we're having such a hard time attributing violence to the people who are perpetuating it and not Yes, words can hurt. Yes, right. words can cause can lead to anger. But we need to have a society in which people realize that they cannot act out on anger right. in ways that are not productive. Right. Also, I mean, let's face it, this is Donald Trump, right? right? When he right. was saying offensive things as an entertainer, people yeah. didn't care. I think yeah. the notion that this person could be, probably will be president right. is frustrating. Something. Chris is laughing. He will be president, Chris, mark <laughs> my could, words. He could be president. He, could he be will be. He could be president. He uh, will be. He is going to be president. Now, I'm still fascinated by the Never Trump people. I still love mm -hmm. to listen to this conversation unfold among them. Um, now, I have to say David French. I think this whole thing with David French is sort of interesting. He's not he's a big name in the religious freedom world, but he's not a big name to most Americans. No, not even he's not even a big name in the conservative world. 
He's a big name in a very niche market. And, and I it. actually really like him. I and do in too. fact, I like him a lot. The, the crazy thing about this is that the first book that I was working on that I paused to work on the Armageddon Code, he was interviewed last summer for that book. Okay. So I, I did a very long interview with him. And over the years, I've interviewed him numerous times for Play Stories. Right. Um, so when I saw his name, I thought, oh, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. right? I, and I emailed him after. I haven't heard back. But I emailed him. I was like, hey, it's kind of fascinating that you <laughs> might be on this list that's, of people. That's um, not, yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't. And if it does happen, look, again, conservatives, just a little a secret. If you nominate somebody who's going to eat away at any of the possible people who might have voted for Trump and not Clinton, Clinton then wins. So if your goal is for Clinton not to win, uh, this is why Nikki Haley and other people are coming alongside. There is not going to be an independent candidate who helps Donald Trump or who no. helps the conservative cause. It's only going to help Hillary unless... Sanders runs third party. You know, interestingly, though, there's a uh, a, a poll that came out either Wednesday or Thursday where it talked about you know Gary Johnson has got the Libertarian nomination. Without Libertarian, without with, when he comes in, both Hillary and it's something like Hillary and uh, uh, Trump go from you add him in, they go from like 48, 44 to 44, 41. Like she loses more. Excuse me, support than Trump does from Gary Johnson nomination. I mean, if Gary, with Gary Johnson, I mean, uh, allegedly. I don't, I don't have my numbers exactly right, but she was actually harmed more. It wasn't like Gary Johnson pulled a bunch of people yeah. away from Donald Trump. But the problem is, the reason, part of the reason for that is that Gary Johnson is socially liberal. And his, right. and his, and his running mate, was it Bill Weld from Massachusetts or wherever? His running mate on this libertarian ticket, they're both pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage they're they're liberals on the social issues and not horribly conservative or libertarian on economic issues i mean they are some but i guess more than some they're the libertarian on economic issues for the most part but they're not conservative in any way don't try to don't fool yourself into believing that they are you know if <coughs> well, you're a social conservative if you're a social conservative you are if you're if you're a social conservative and you're determined to vote hillary clinton isn't your answer and gary johnson's not your answer and, you know, if David French is, maybe he's the guy you vote for, but he's not going to be elected. I mean, it's really a crapshoot, but I don't think my point is. And yeah, maybe maybe that happens. Look, what if Sanders decided to do it, which he wouldn't. I don't think he would, because that would really split them to yeah. the point of no return. But honestly, he probably should he'd probably help the Democrats if the Democratic <laughs> Socialist ran as an independent and not a Democrat. But um you know, look, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I want to just point this out. If you go back to the end of March, early April, Hillary Clinton was up by nine points, 10 points, 12 points, 11 points, seven points. Then we get to mid-April and we get to April 20th. She's up by three points. You right. get to the end of April. OK, she's up by 11 and another. Then on the 26th of April, there's a tie between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Yep. And then you start to see the numbers change a little bit. And then you get into May. Trump is up by three. Trump is up by five. Clinton's up by three in another poll. Trump's up by two. Clinton is only up between one and 1.5 points in the last few polls that have been done. Okay. So you're talking about a situation where a lot of people, this is my only point, are coming around to the fact that they have to pick a lesser of two evils unless something changes and there's some other candidate or Hillary's indicted, at which point it will be, it might be much easier for Donald Trump. Well, did you see Susan Sarandon came out? I think it was either, it was reported Friday morning, but I don't know if it happened Friday morning or it happened Thursday evening. But Susan Sarandon came out, you know, big liberal left-wing Hollywood megastar who is supporting Bernie Sanders. And she says, 
she, that Hillary is going to be indicted, that it is inevitable. Now, I don't know how much stock we put in the views of a, of a liberal Hollywood nut job, but <laughs> she, she came out and says it's inevitable, inevitable that Hillary will be indicted. I wish I wish I had her confidence. Well, I here's the thing, though. I, I don't understand how the State Department concludes what it concluded, and Hillary is nothing happens to Hillary, it, right? Because I, her own... yeah. I mean, her own, the own department that she ran, right. they have come back and said, yes, Hillary acted improperly. Right. The IG report is pretty damning, but the problem is the IG, the, the, the inspector general at the State Department, that agency, they don't, they don't indict. Right. The, the indictment has to come from law enforcement. But they are, but you would assume, right, that law enforcement is oh, looking I, I don't, at that. I, well, I, I would assume that they're looking at it. I don't, I don't assume that they're going to act rationally or objectively or fairly in this regard. At all. Well, yeah. And I'll be interested to see. Now, if she's indicted, that changes a lot. Everything. Of, which is which yeah. is why Sanders is still in the race. Yeah, it's actually a smart move on, on that socialist why, part. Why wouldn't he be? You know, he's he's a he's a poor senator. I mean, he's he's not well off as far as senators go. He has nothing. They're on vacation right now. He has no real job responsibilities. I mean, he's a he's a he's a member of the minority in the Senate who would go back to vote for a filibuster I'm sure if that's what he needed to do otherwise his vote's not going to really matter that much in the Senate they're on vacation right now it's summertime they'll be on frequent vacations uh, uh, there's no reason for him to, there's no reason for him not to campaign the campaign supplies for him income in a way not that he gets paid by the campaign but it covers a whole ton of expenses for him so well, you live. I mean, you live in the good look, life. You're out there campaigning. He's at you know he's at Game Seven of the Western Conference Finals, you know, using other people's money to go to the base basketball. Game. It's pretty nice. He he decries social you know income income inequality unless of course it benefits him. By the way, but, <coughs> you know I do sometimes wonder, and this is like for another episode because we're running out to the end here, yeah. but. I do sometimes wonder if it would benefit conservatives a little bit and Republicans to talk a little bit more about corporate. There are a lot of times when corporates, corporations mistreat people and, and don't act properly. And I feel like That's most true. people would agree with that. There, there, are, there are definitely times that businesses do not treat people well. I so, agree with that. My point that would that my happens. point is yes. why not discuss those things a little bit more because because you could get sued. Oh, you don't mean specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was Did you did you drop something? It looked like you dropped something. I did. I just, my... You suddenly disappeared. I don't know where you went. <laughs> But my I mean, mic. everybody. But I mean, everybody has stories about how they feel like they've been mistreated by a business. I mean, and you know, to to be fair, we work at the Blaze and we love the Blaze, and the Blaze has treated us very well. I mean, we have both been well constipated. Constipated. That sounds like some sort well, of you, you've been condition. well constipated for sure. But <laughs> but I mean, we've been well con com compensated. We have great. I mean, Glenn talks about it on his radio show. We're not we're not giving away any secrets here. He, we have great benefits here, all those kinds of things. But the fact is that there are businesses that mistreat employees. Again, in the eyes of the employees, it's not like we're not talking. We're not talking mistreatment as far as you know child labor law. It's kind of stuff. That's not what we're talking about. But where an employee feels mistreated, the nice thing about America is you don't like it, go somewhere else. 
And so, well, and, I, and that's I what people like... need to understand. But people <coughs> yeah, who run I... businesses ought to run, ought to, they don't have to, but they ought to run them ethically. I don't think there should be any law that requires you to run, uh, I, should more, I should say morally. There should be no law that requires you to run a business morally that lines up with my morals. However, I think that you ought to. But I feel like if conservatives and Republicans talked more about that in addition to their supportive businesses, they would be able to get more moderates to be like, oh, yeah, you know what? There's nothing wrong with talking about businesses misbehaving and right. treating people badly, whether or not. If look, indeed can, they are, right? It's, it's, in, right. We, in these, it's not so much. Take the focus off of you need to stop treating people badly and take the, put, change the focus. It still is to the same, on the same issue, but to say, instead of saying, you need to stop, you know, being mean to your employees. Just talk about how how good it is. Give out the good examples of of companies that treat their employees well, right? Talk about companies that compensate their employees well. Talk about companies that give uh, good benefits. Talk about companies that treat their employees with respect. Uh, and point out those things and say, why don't you be more like this? Because our ideal as Americans isn't we shouldn't have to have laws that tell you you have to treat your employees a certain way. We just we're Americans and we we treat people well. It's what we do. This is the kind of people we are is to treat people well. And if you if you lived like people who said the kind of people we are are going to be the people who who treat people well, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to be a Muslim. You don't have to be a person of any faith. But if you were to follow, say, oh, I don't know, the Ten Commandments, for the most part, just be nice to people, treat people well, you know, everything yeah, else I guess my point is, is works out. The but, Democrats tend, and th these are stereotypes, but tend to act as though every business and corporation is out there to do evil, whereas right. I think Republicans stereotypically tend to act like businesses are the holy grail and don't ever do anything wrong, right. whereas the reality is in the middle. I think most people think, yes, businesses are great. They provide jobs. Most people work for a business. They don't right. work for the government. They don't work. Right. And, so, and, and most people work for small business. Um, but there are times when businesses act improperly and they and they steal and they do things and they manipulate tax codes. Now, that's another issue, right? That's right. that's a government issue as well. Right. Why are right? Why is the tax code the way it is? But but my point is, I think we could have more rational discussions about it and we would have people who look like Trump is I don't agree with him. I don't agree with taxing the wealthy at a higher rate. I, I don't personally. Right. I think there are other ways to do this and get rid of all the deductions and just do it the right way. Right. But that's his stance. And I think a lot of Republicans are turned off by it. But at least I will give him this. There's a little bit of a discussion of, of a mixing of and, and I know people. Oh, he's just a liberal. Well, look, Donald Trump is a businessman and he has manipulated the system. And he has done probably some of these things that, you know, we that we're complaining about. But I think he kind of probably sees both sides of it, which is fascinating to me, kind of saying, well, look, I don't mind paying a little bit more i don't agree with him but i'll respect that he has that view yeah yeah and again i think that you i think that you earn the respect of voters more if you talk about <laughs> here are the good things business does here are the good things business can do you know don't be a jerk to you know the, the new rule don't be a dick don't treat people like garbage if you treat people well they'll want to work for you and they'll want to work better for you if you can instead of being on the you should you are on the side of the laborer you're on the side of the worker if you have that message you are also on the side of the worker if you say, you employers are jerks, you big business people are jerks, and you treat your people like garbage. Okay, so maybe they do. Maybe you can make the argument that they do. What does that change? It doesn't change anything. If all you do is just scream at them, like you're obviously an abuser of your workers, right? If you just scream at them, nothing's going to change. But if you promote, even with just rhetoric, because it's all just rhetoric anyway, no action's actually happening. If you push out the, the rhetoric that, hey, you know what? 
we're Americans. Let's let's treat people like this. This is the same. I mean, you heard Glenn preach this a thousand times. Treat people with respect. Treat people with kindness. Treat people with dignity. That doesn't mean that people have to always work for you, right? We've gone through this company and other companies have gone through uh, layoffs. They were well publicized in this company, company, and they had been well publicized in other companies. But if you do it right, well, I don't, there's Americans don't have a problem with layoffs if layoffs are necessary. Um, yeah, right? no, and I, I think and that's, you know really and that's just, we just need just to have more people. rational discussions. And just treat country. people, just treat people kindly and with respect. Treat them like human beings. And if you have to let somebody go, you have to let them go. You know, and that's just part of life. And, and you and I would argue that the Blazers were within their rights to do those kinds of, and any other business is within their rights to let people go. And I'm not saying that you're, you're not being let go. You're choosing to go somewhere else, which is <laughs> Chris, fine. Chris has, Chris has orchestrated my departure. Yeah. But anyway, so I say that not with any, any particular person or company in mind, but as far no, as... No, I'm speaking from generally. The, you know, right. You're, yeah, you're, I, you're, and you're talking from a, a business angle. And it's, you know, it's the rhetoric that, that Bernie Sanders is using is, is not... Construct and, and Hillary Clinton as well, and that the Democratic <laughs> yeah. Party is using is not constructive to. If you want your company's employees to be, if you want employees to be treated better, the way you do that is to encourage good behavior, not just simply scream at bad behavior. Can you point out bad behavior? Yes, but if all you're doing is screaming at bad behavior, you're not doing anything that helps the cause. You have to point out good behavior and encourage good behavior, not with a stick with the law, but actually to say. This is just encourage people. You don't have to give them money to, to get Just say, listen, this is the kind of attitude we want to foster and, and, and leave it at that. I think, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, we have been here a long time. So people, everybody is yeah. tuned out by now. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they didn't hear anything we said. I just sit here and I just look at you because you're not paying attention, which is fine. <laughs> So we're going to get out of here. Any words of wisdom for the people before we head out? Billy. Read your Quran. Uh, this is the belief. What an idiot. Wow. such a friggin' moron. God, I just got it. just got your text. Okay. What? Things are just going... <laughs> It's going so well. Okay. All right. So let's just, you know what? With that, let's, you know what would help the situation? Help us feel all better about this? Butterflies. Any chance Ava's going to be raising more butterflies? Yes, definitely. All right. That's good. Be releasing them into the wild. You better believe it. Church boy.